Welcome to the Convex Conversation with me, Helen Fospero. Today's podcast features two West End actors turned successful entrepreneurs. Ed Curry and Andy Coxon met in 2015, rehearsing for a punishing schedule of live performances of Beautiful, the Carol King musical in London. And somehow in the melee and drama of performing under hot lights and intense high-pressured conditions, theatre life inspired them to come up with a new sustainable product, which solved a problem for not only their fellow actors, but has been voted top in its field by Vogue. They created a natural deodorant balm, one which actually works. And I'm delighted to say they join me now to share their incredible story. Welcome to you both. Ed, you're in Berlin, one of my favourite cities. That's home now, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is home. I moved here one year ago, height of the pandemic, but it's been great. A bit of a you know, trying to get out of London, I realised I'm not performing anymore. So I was like, oh, well, let's give abroad a go. A bit of a Brexit deadline gave me the push as well. But yeah, super happy to be here. It's an interesting time, isn't it, to move to another country. Berlin fascinates me. The history is absolutely brilliant. Now that we're sort of coming out of the pandemic, have you had a chance to explore yet? Not as much as I'd like to. Obviously, the business is quite intense these days. (laughs) It was interesting. I moved here in the summer and it was like, oh, Corona, what's that? So I had a really great summer here. And then October hit. Sadly, I, I got Corona two weeks before we went into a a lockdown. So I had an extended lockdown, lucky me. So that was until April, October to April. So it was a really long, dark, cold (laughs) and very boring winter. But now, uh, since then, it's been, yeah, it's nice to get out and about. The sun is shining here. The wasps are out. Berlin loves their wasps. (laughs) But yeah, it's great. It's nice. I'm having a nice brunch this morning. I hope there's no wasps where you are, Andy. Where are you joining us from today? I'm in southeast London, where it is possibly the most wet day I've seen in a long time. Miserable, but joyful to be here. (laughs) Good. Well, I'm delighted to have you on the podcast. Andy, can you tell us, first of all, how you two met back in 2015? I can. And I have to say, I loved one of the words you used in your intro when you said a punishing schedule. So we met performing in the West End in their beautiful, the Carol King musical, doing eight shows a week, performing under hot lights, etc. We got to play the Writers Brothers on occasion, singing You've Lost That Loving Feeling to uh, thousands of people. And it was very fun. It's a great year. Did you enjoy it as well, Ed? I mean, the music's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, my mum's always been a, a big fan of Carol King, so I used to listen to it growing up. So when I knew that the show was coming over from Broadway, I was like, I've got to get this one for mum. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> oh, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing mum came to see you as well. Yeah, she did. She was dead proud. Although she's, <laughs> she says now she sat too far back. She couldn't see anyone's faces. <laughs> but uh, sadly, you're not in it anymore. So. <laughs> oh, but oh, for well. both of you, was that a dream to make it into the West End? Oh, yeah. We were small town boys. Ed's from Macclesfield. I'm from Derby. We moved to London, trained at drama school got the agent, started auditioning, and then we we were very lucky with jobs. Been in quite a few things. Ed was in Chorus Line at the Palladium. I was in Les Mis. I was in the Les Mis movie as well. So we did a nice... We've got a nice CV between us, let's say that. And we were looking at doing extra things on the side, which is, I know you'll get into it in a moment, but ACT wasn't meant to go the way it did. No, (laughs) I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, let's talk about ACT and 
how you came up with the idea for a natural deodorant? Well, if I'm honest, it was a bit of a mistake. <laughs> like we never <laughs> we never set out to like build a company. It wasn't like us searching for a gap in the market and oh let's make a company. Like we're two performers. Being businessmen was never on our radar for our futures. But it was being in a West End show, like I I'm more of a dancer, I'd say. And I remember actually being in a chorus line after a big dance number and my co-star next to me turned to me and she was like, Ed, you really stink. <laughs> I was like, hmm, okay, so deodorant's not working for me. And so I just got so frustrated. Like I used to try every single deodorant out there. All oh, you be sure, right guard, Perspirex, you know, the stuff that would like burn your armpits off to stop you from sweating. And then even natural deodorants just didn't work. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try and figure this out for myself because I was so fed up and I was throwing t-shirts away every week. So I just like found a recipe online, bought a bit of ingredients from Sainsbury's, started cooking things up on the hob. And I was like, oh, this kind of works. <laughs> like, I mean, it was gross. It was like this sludge. Like, <laughs> slime thing. And it gave me a bit of a rash. But I was like, hmm, but I don't smell, so maybe the rash is fine. So it was a, a course of about three years, me just cooking things up on the hob, a bit like Breaking Bad. <laughs> 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 Trialling different ingredients, different amounts. Each week I'd make a new batch, test it with Andy, and then we started testing it in our friends in the theatre as well. And eventually we developed this amazing formula, and everybody that we were handing it out to in the shows were like, guys, what is this like secret potion you've created? It's magic. Wizardry. Yeah, is it wizardry. a bit of a hazard, Andy, when you are on stage and particularly in West End performances, which I would imagine are fairly intense, does everybody just stink a bit when you're on stage, do you think? Is that just accepted yes. that you're all hot and sweaty under those lights? So I think people don't quite understand what we go through with costumes in a show. So if you've got two shows a day, your costumes are not washed. They're steamed or sprayed with a bit of Febreze just to kind of freshen them up. But eight shows a week over a year, they get rancid. In every show I've ever done anyway, you wear a kind of underwear, so a vest and a, a, some baggy underwear just to go underneath the clothes to save them a little bit. But even those are dailies and it's just the usage of these white garments just get ingrained with smell over and over again, particularly when you join a show like with Les Mis, you sometimes have to underdress three costumes at once for quick changes. So you're in four to five layers of costumes. So you're constantly sweating, let alone the adrenaline of performing, the lights, all of the running around, and you're just constantly sweating. You always have a lovely waistline, but you smell. <laughs> How do you so, have a lovely waistline? You mean big? <laughs> no, it's sweating, sweating off. It's the, the, oh, I at, see. Sitting down at a computer now, nine to five, I've noticed my waistline changing, shall we say, because I'm no longer running around on the stage. <laughs> so when Ed was doing his bit of Breaking Bad and cooking various potions up in his kitchen, was it Ed that approached you, Andy, and said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you want to help? How did it come about? Well, so we were living together at the time and Ed had decided to stop performing. I still was. And I was kind of watching Ed struggle with what the hell do I do with my life now? Doing loads of different jobs, trying to figure it out. And he had this product that we were using daily for about a year before anybody else. A couple of our friends had it, a couple of family and friends had it. And I just pulled it out and said, mate, this is incredible. Let's turn it into a business. Let's try something with it. Let's sell it. And 
it kind of snowballed from there with, okay, so how the hell do we do this? We could sell it. We could make it on the hob, put it in tins and sell it ourselves on something like Etsy. Between acting jobs, sometimes you get a couple of months off and it's just a nice way of making a bit of pocket money. And we ended up meeting... Who was? Oh, yeah, we went to Stratford-upon-Avon to see my friend in a play with Caroline Quentin. And her husband is a cosmetic formulator. So we got chatting to him. He's called Sam Farmer. He's also got his own teenage skincare range. And he got chatting to us and was really excited by it and put us in touch with a mentor, someone that also is a cosmetic formulator, has her own range, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of snowballed from there to expand into fundraising in some way in order to actually get this made. So her idea was to do a Kickstarter where, you know, crowdfunding, there's many different platforms. And we were like, right, well, let's utilise the West End because that's where it started. So we gave tiny little pots. We made thousands of samples in our little kitchen in Camden and gave tiny sample pots to every single West End performer and said to them on the day it was delivered, here's a leaflet, post about it online, give the link to the Kickstarter the day it launched. And on the first day, we hit our entire target, which was a naive (laughs) £15,000. Now it feels naive, but at the time it was huge money to us. And by the end of that month, we raised £50,000 and suddenly realised, right, we've got 3,000 orders to fulfil and we now need to make a business. (laughs) So, Ed, pick up for me. How did you, with £50,000 and 3,000 orders start the business because you sort of admit at the outset you're not businessmen which is what really appeals to me about this story because it gives people like me who have an entrepreneurial streak inside that's not quite being fully developed you give me hope how did you go about it what did you do next it wasn't easy so we were like we can't make this stuff in the kitchen anymore there's too many to make so we started trying to find a factory that might be able to make it for us We found one, but then the difficulty was the packaging. Like from the outset, we had committed to say, we don't want to use any plastic in any of our packaging. And that was a real challenge. (laughs) Like almost every bit of, it still is, almost every piece of packaging out there has plastic in it. So initially, like we settled on these sliding tins, but then we couldn't seal it in there. There was still an air gap. So we were looking at kind of doing like a, a butter foil lid on there, but then none of the adhesives would work. So we went through so many different iterations. We finally settled on aluminium tubes. But the problem with that is that all the caps that exist in the world are plastic. And we're like, oh my God, can we just make an aluminium cap? I remember going to the British Library and finding the original patent for aluminium tubes, which was made back in the 1800s to see how they did the caps. And then we took that to a factory. Uh, I mean, we must have spoken to about 100 different factories and every single one was like, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. I was like, guys, we, we can put people on the moon, but we can't make an aluminium cap. What is going on? And eventually we found one factory that kind of gave us a trial and made these aluminium caps. And we're the only company in the world to use them. But there's been difficulties with that as well. But eventually we got it made in the factory. It took us a year from where we did the Kickstarter to actually fulfilling the orders. So every week we'd have to update our customers and be like, we're really sorry, like it is coming. This is what's happened so far. We've had a few issues with this. So we're trying to figure that out. And then, and this was the big drama, we had a completely different brand at that time. And the day that we were going to trademark our name, we got a lawyer's letter through the post saying that another brand was using that name and that we had to 
cease and desist, basically. And we were like, oh my God, what are uh, the chances? Oh, so then that so £50,000... Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the original name. It wasn't. So that £50,000 that we had sort of was slowly dwindling. We're like, oh my God. But we decided, and this was the best decision we could have made, we decided to find a branding agency, some guys that we really respected. We approached them and we're like, we'd love you to try and help us come up with a new brand and design for, for this amazing product that we've created. And it was them that put act to us. And we were like, oh my God, why have we never thought of this? This is our life. This is our homage. I think we were a bit nervous about kind of putting out the West End thing because we didn't think people would take us seriously. And actually, that's the story that people have really resonated with the most and found the most interesting. So yeah, the name is ACT. Our tagline is born to perform because not only were we born to perform, but the deodorant was born to perform. And all of our packaging, like our scent names are called scene one, scene two, scene three. So yeah, we've got these sort of little nuances of theatre woven into the brand. And we feel really proud of it now because it really feels like a part of who we are. And people seem to to love it. We didn't want to make it a gimmick, did we? I think there's a some people don't care about theatre, and this product is still for everybody. It's for all genders. So we we wanted to make sure it didn't distance people putting theatre on it. So everything's a little nod. So most people call it AKT because they don't realise it's pronounced act. They have no idea about the whole scene situation with the sense because everything's written as you read it in a script. It's just the little nods that we wanted to put in that we had for some reason detached ourselves from. So it's been really nice to revisit, put that in there. And when people do go, oh my God, it's called ACT because you're actors. Oh my God, of course. And it's a scene. Ah, And they just kind of go, it's so cleverly thought out. We were obsessed with what the branding agency did and we've kind of run with it. And it's one of the best things we've done. It's funny because the name is so simple and often the most simple, obvious names are the ones that perhaps you wouldn't think of yourself. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you got an amazing branding agency. I am a marketer's dream. I only use things in packaging, A, that's sustainable, and B, that I love the look of. What's great about your deodorant, I'm not doing an advert here, but I had already tried it before. The main thing is it works, but the packaging is beautiful. It makes me smile every time I open a tube. And I wanted to talk to you about the scents as well. Can you just talk, as you've got three different scents, a bit about that perfumery journey, if you like, and what kind of nose you developed along the way to try and get the smell right that it's for everybody? I guess this one's for me, isn't it, Andy? I've got a very sensitive sense of smell. And I think that kind of leads itself to me creating a deodorant brand. With the fragrances, like we really wanted to create something premium, something that wasn't out there. I hate the way that normal deodorant smell. Like I'm a 31-year-old man. I don't want to smell like a teenage boy anymore. And I think a lot of women are the same with the, the range that they have. It's all like soft and cotton and all these sort of lovely soft smells. And with men, it's all like fire, war. It's really bizarre. So we wanted to create something for everyone. And I'm really particular about perfumes. So I wanted to create something, to be honest, that I really loved. So I'd spent so much time like picking out different essential oils, smelling them, combining them together. And this process took a long time. And eventually we worked with a fragrance house to help us develop them further to make a real beautiful fragrance. And we took the inspiration from scenes in nature, like memories that me and Andy have together. Walking through the orange grove is one of them. We've got uh, scene two is called After Thunder. 
inspired by woodland walks after there's been a thunderstorm. And I'm really, really proud of how they've come out. And we didn't think that the customers would love them as much as they have. And now people want candles and they want fragrances, which is super exciting for us because that's where we want to head later down the line. I know that what was also important to you and has certainly been more important to me as I've got older and a little wiser is I don't want to be spraying chemical under my armpit. And that's something that many, many of us have done because of cost and because often some natural deodorants on the market haven't done the job. They're natural, but they don't actually stop you smelling. So how important was it to you that whatever you created was natural and not full of chemical? Ed? I'm going to leave that to you. But yeah, super important for us. We said right at the beginning of our journey, like if you wouldn't put it on your face, why would you put it on your underarms? And it's true, you would never spray a can of antiperspirant or deodorant on your face, but your underarms are the most sensitive part of your body. It's where all of your lymph nodes are. And the, the tissue there is really sensitive and it absorbs a lot of what you put on there. So when I was looking into deodorant ingredients, I was like, why the hell are we doing this? It's so cheap. Most deodorants are just aluminium chlorohydrate, which we now know, well, there's rumors to be that it's not safe. There's alcohol, there's propellants. That's the biggest ingredient in most of these things. And a fragrance. I was like, surely we can do better than this? Like, <laughs> this is gross. Why are we doing this? So it took a lot of research. So we've combined a lot of moisturizing butters and oils in there. So it really takes care of that underarm skin. And we've also created something called Dio Barrier Complex, which is a combination of natural and mineral powders, which sit invisibly on the skin to absorb natural perspiration without blocking your sweat glands. So it's really safe to use for everybody. I love the story that when you were testing out, you know, in your kitchen and everything, and you came up with your original formula that you tested it on mates and friends and colleagues and fellow actors in the West End. I just wondered what their reaction was and what kind of feedback you got. They were obsessed. I was doing a show at the time and I was playing opposite somebody who sweated so much from everywhere, forearms dripping down his face. And a great thing about our product that we've not said yet is that it's multi-use because you don't just sweat from your armpits. So for people to try it in different places, like forearms, under their nose, on the top lip, or the lower back and under boob, we had some friends using it there and it just... It was like a revelation to our friends. And before we were even launching the company, they were saying, how much How much for me to buy a tin from you because I need some? And I would actually have stocks of some of them and be selling them for £10 each to friends just for cash. And I don't think we expected them to love it so much. And genuinely, those people still buy it now. They've come along the entire journey with us. And what we did when theatres came back this time, we gifted the product to every single cast member. A, as a thank you, because without the theatre world, we wouldn't be where we are now. And B, just to be like, have some gifts because you've been through a terrible time. So they are always supportive of us and they love it. They genuinely love it. I love your ethos. Theatre inspired the creation of the deodorant balm, but it's community inspired the brand. Just expound a little bit of that, Ed, in the way that communities inspired you. Well, it was the theatre community that was there from the offset for us. When we did the Kickstarter, you know, we handed out these samples to everybody and I was so worried. Andy was like, we need to do this. This is a great way to get it out there. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not sure they're going to get behind it. Like, 
are they going to be interested? And so I'm really thankful that Andy insisted that we do that because they have been our biggest fans and supporters. Like it went crazy on social media that day that we handed it out to everybody. And then it was nice to see like a lot of drama school students seeing their favorite like West End stars posting about it. And then they would post about it, even though they didn't really know what it was. <laughs> it was everywhere. And so it's funny that me and Andy are probably more famous now for creating deodorant than we, than we are for being performers. <laughs> Very true. Yes. And of course, you've been voted best in your field by Vogue. I mean, that's unbelievable. You can't really get much higher than that, can you? Within the first six months of launching, we had won Harper's Bazaar's Best Deodorant Beauty Award. Then we were number one in Vogue, GQ, Pop Sugar featured us four times. And those kind of things that we didn't ask for, our PR team did an incredible job and it just built an incredible reputation so our community and the rest of the world were seeing this brand just kind of coming out of nowhere i'd like to talk in a few minutes when we get to the end of the podcast about the future and how you're going to continue to grow and where you go next but ed i feel i'm sitting here talking to two fabulous actors and very successful entrepreneurs but i'd love to touch a little bit if it's all right with you on a ted talk that you did recently to youngsters at your old school on mental health and some of the struggles you had along the way because i think particularly at this time that part of your story would be very inspiring to people listening and will you share a little bit of what happened to you when you were much younger yes so I think my troubles with mental health, they started at the same time that I started performing professionally. It was in a chorus line. That was the show that I was doing at the time at the, the London Palladium. This was always my dream. Like from being a young child, all I ever wanted to do was be a West End star. <laughs> it sounds so cliche, but it's all I ever wanted to do. And it's all I ever did to try and get that goal. So I'd you know, do Amdran. I was in all those shows at school. I then went to drama school. I'd had this sort of snowballing continued success in that field. And then I, I landed the part of Bobby in a chorus line at the London Palladium. And that was meant to be the pinnacle of, of what I wanted. And the reality of it kind of set in. I was so deeply unhappy in that job and I, I really didn't know why I felt like I had to, I felt like this was what I was meant to do and I was questioning why I wasn't enjoying it so much. And so I, I went to a very, very dark place. I, I remember like being on stage and my back turned to the audience and I just had tears streaming down my face and I couldn't quite place what was wrong with me? Because I think I was so young at the time. And also back then, this was 2013, the conversation around mental health wasn't what it is now. So I really didn't have anyone to turn to or understand what was going wrong with me. And I just thought I was just a bit of a, a loser, a bit of a failure. And it all came to a bit of a head. After the show one day, I was standing on the platform at Oxford Circus Station. And I was, I was very, very close to Ah, it's quite hard to talk about still. But I was very close to, to to putting myself in front of of that train, and if it wasn't for the driver of the train, he looked at me and he saw what I was about to do, and I saw him scream no at me. Um, but I threw myself back towards the the wall and the platform, and I'm really glad I didn't go through with that. Like life, you know, it's it's had its ups and downs since, but 
to see where I am now and how and how far I've got just because I've been surviving every day is really remarkable and I'm very pleased I'm here. So I'm, I was very grateful that my school invited me back to do that TEDx talk to talk about my experience and how I've coped with things. ACT, I think, has saved me as well. It gave me a focus at a time where I really didn't know what I was meant to do. I decided that performing wasn't for me anymore because I really didn't enjoy it. So there was a good period of me questioning what I wanted to do with my life. And ACT was that focus for me and still is that focus for me. And so I'm really grateful that I've got something that I can put my energy into. And I think that's something that we all really need. We all need a focus to feel like we're doing something good. And it can take time to figure it out, but eventually you will find it. And I've certainly found it. So I'm very, very happy to still be here and to feel proud of what I've done so far. You should feel desperately proud of what you've done. I thought that it was really interesting in your TED talk that you talked about Brenda and <laughs> you've given your, you've given fear a name. And I thought it was really inspiring to hear how you deal with Brenda and you shut her up when you're feeling a bit low. And for you, that's really worked, hasn't it? Yeah. I know that there's different forms of this now. People have talked about this in books as well. At the time, I didn't really know what it was, but it was something that helped me. And that was to kind of disassociate myself from those bad thoughts that I was having, from the bad voice in my head. And by giving it this personality, making it a real thing, it just means that it's not you and you're able to control it better because you can tell that person, and my person is Brenda, to simmer down and be like, do you know what? Back off. <laughs> not today, Brenda. Back off, Brenda. Not today, Brenda. And why do you think it is that, that, do you think now, particularly living in more of a social media world, is there a great pressure on us to be successful? Do we look at Instagram pictures and think everybody else is living in a perfect world, having a great time, there's nothing going on behind the scenes? Is that I don't know, sometimes I, and I am on social media, but sometimes I find that a little bit toxic and it doesn't surprise me that younger minds and younger brains probably find that difficult to cope with sometimes. Absolutely. Social media's got a lot to answer for with mental health because you're never going to put something out there that isn't happy and looks nice, especially with all the pictures that we put on social media now. And then if you look at Facebook and Twitter, they've kind of gone into these angry worlds. It's just people attacking each other the whole time. So if you're young and you're trying to navigate like your emotions, it's really hard to find somebody to look up to, I think, or to feel that you're able to communicate times when you're feeling down and blue because nobody else is talking about it, especially on social media. So there's a bit of a taboo, isn't there? And I still struggle with that myself. I don't want to present the dark times out there because who wants to hear it, right? So you've got to find either like professional help, which is what I did, or find a close knit of friends that you feel that you can be open to who aren't going to judge you and who are going to help you through those difficult periods. I think that's important. Like community uh, you know, originally was, was small, like you'd, you'd seek people close around you. And now it's gone global, but it's really difficult to find the people that help you through stuff. And it must be nice for you, Andy, to see Ed gone through that journey and being where you are now with the brand. And presumably that's really, really helpful 
with mental health because you're busy, you're active, you're doing something so positive and you're doing something that, yeah, of course it's a business for you, but actually you're making a big difference in other people's lives. Absolutely. I mean, we both lost our jobs when the pandemic hit. We were still due to launch ACT in May. The date we launched was the date we were always going to launch, but the pandemic hit. Ed was a PA at the time and I was in West Side Story. We completely lost our work. So we sat down and said, right, let's pay our rent, sit down and do this full time. Without a doubt, without the pandemic, ACT would not be what it is now. And it has given us such a focus between the two of us. We've got a purpose. We've created ourselves a job during a pandemic. I've paid myself a wage from a job. It's something that people are so shocked by when we tell the story. And the theatre industry was decimated. I've got so many friends, they made no money. They didn't even get grants from the government. They had nothing. And there's me working nine to five, covering my rent, being like, right, I, I can't drown on this. I'm not letting myself. But they didn't have a starting point like we had. So we're both so grateful. We sat down last week because we've just closed a, a big investment round. And we both sat down. Ed came over to London last week and we sat down, had a drink for the first time over dinner and just high-fived and said, holy crap, look what we've done. And it's it's probably going to be the proudest moment of our lives to this point, because seeing Ed's struggles, seeing what's happened to the world in the last year, it's all just kind of happening now. And we've both got such a purpose in our early 30s, that, uh, something that we never expected to be doing as well, which I think is the most surprising part of it. You mentioned candles earlier. I'm a bit of a candle fiend, I'm afraid. And the scents that you use are so beautiful. Do you think now you will move into other products like candles? Absolutely. That's the, the plan. We've got a, a bit of a new product development roadmap that we're fleshing out. Candles is on there. We did an amazing little survey to all of our customers and candles were up there, soaps were up there, fragrances were up there. People are really excited about what we're going to do next, as are we, obviously. And it's nice yeah. now, now we've had this investment, we can expand the team a bit more. Uh, so we've got a few new staff members on, which sounds crazy to us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> staff, <laughs> it's mad, but it's nice. You know, these people now rely on us for their wages, so we've got to do yeah. good by them. It's so exciting. I can't wait to see where this brand goes in the next few years. But it's gonna. Be and are big. you missing? Are you missing costumes and dancing and all that kind of stuff, Ed? Or are you happy now in your entrepreneurial I'm, world? I'm pretty happy now. I must confess. Like, there's a part of me that that still loves the theatre. You know, I love going to watch it. But I'm I'm very happy that I'm on the other side of it now. That I get to enjoy it from afar rather than being in it and all the struggles that it comes with. It's nice to relax a bit. Well, Andy's still treading the boards, aren't you, Andy? So this, you can still go and see Andy. You can. I'm not allowed to say what is coming up, but over Christmas, I've got a job coming up, so I'm thrilled to be dabbling back in again. It's a short one, but a good one. Final thought from both of you. If anybody's listening to the podcast today with a germ of an idea that they haven't really been brave enough to launch or been worried that they haven't got the business experience behind them, what would you say to them? I think we're testimony to that, that you don't have to have a business brain to start a business. But I always say that you can't stand still. If you're leaning in a direction, you're going to move in whatever direction that is. Your feet will always catch you before you fall. So you've just got to lean. Don't stand still. You've got to lean. I would say don't be afraid. If you think you've got something, start talking about it to people and you'll be surprised by who they know that can further you. That makes sense put into context in the fact that we met so many people 
that connected us to somebody else. And it is that phrase of networking. We were networking without realising it. Every single day for us for the last year and a half has been a school day. We've learned something new, but we've found somebody to help us learn how to do that. And that person has linked us to three other people. And it's just networking. And don't be afraid to try it. It's that lovely ripple effect, isn't it? It's been absolutely fascinating to hear the backstory. Isn't it interesting that you find a product in your cupboard? And who would have known the story behind ACT? It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really, really glad that I discovered that there was such a fascinating story behind you both. And best of luck. Get those candles and everything out there soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been fun. Thank you. Yeah, lovely. Loved it. You've been listening to West End actors and entrepreneurs Ed Curry and Andy Coxon talk about the business which has taken their lives in a whole new direction and solved a delicate problem for hardworking actors and immortals like me. You can check out more about ACT at actlondon.com. That's actlondon.com. Or, of course, follow them on social media. I hope you've enjoyed their story as much as I have. Don't forget, download and subscribe to our series at convex.podbean.com. Also, Search The Convex Conversation on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or just ask Alexa. I'll be back next week with probably one great guest as opposed to two great guests, so I hope you'll join me then. Bye for now.